0: Welcome to the Behaviour
1: Speak Podcast. Now, here's your host, Ben Ryman.
0: Hey there. Welcome to a special episode of the Behaviour Speak Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with uh, Tiffany Joseph. Uh, You may know her better uh, from her social media monikers, Nigh-Functioning Autism. Uh, Among other things... uh, Tiffany is autistic herself and a advocate for AAC, Augmentative and Alternative Communication. And for this episode, uh, Tiffany and I will be having a conversation almost entirely in uh, AAC on her end. So I will be speaking with my uh, using vocal speech and she will be speaking using her speech generating device. Um, and to make this as realistic uh, as possible, uh, we have not—I have not edited out any of the pauses while she is uh, uh, typing um, um, her, her responses, and so you'll be able to experience what a uh, uh, anyone in a conversation would experience with a, with a, an AA user, AAC user. Um, with that, you could easily fast forward through the pauses and, 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 and hear her response. However, if you, I, I would highly encourage you to listen through the pauses and experience the, uh, the, uh, the feelings that, that come along with that. With that. Uh, if you're planning on collecting continuing education credits for this episode, as always, you'll need to know the three secret words. However, for this episode, each secret word will be embedded somewhere in the pause, uh, hopefully enticing you to listen through the pause um, to get to that secret word. Um, As a bit of an incentive for you, uh, for this episode only, we will be offering free CEUs. So if you can listen to the whole episode and hear all those secret words and put them in, then you'll have the opportunity to earn a free CEU.
2: Are you looking for a way to recognize World Autism Month in a meaningful, actionable way? Foundations for Divergent Minds is a nonprofit organization rooted in the belief that all neurodivergent people should be able to thrive in the communities they live, work, and play. We are offering courses to professionals to provide a space to explore neurodiversity through a different lens while staying true to your field. Every course fee directly supports our programs tackling healthcare gaps for autistics of color designing local community programs, and promoting safety for autistic people. We recognize that the fear of discomfort can be a big deterrent for many people, but that also discomfort is the place where growth comes from. So we created several courses aimed at offering this space to different fields of practice. One for teachers, educators, speech language pathologists, occupational therapists, and counselors, and the other for behavior analysts. If you're unsure what steps to take to build a neurodiversity aligned practice, these courses are a great resource and co-instructed by professionals in your field of practice. For the behavior analyst course, go to FDM, that's F as in Frank, D as in Donald, M as in Mary, dot training forward slash response. Everyone else can go to FDM dot training forward slash implement. And now for a limited time, you can use the discount code Speaks, all caps, to receive a 10% discount. Hope to see you there. Welcome to another episode of the Behaviour Speak Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Ryman. Well, today is gonna to be such such a cool interview. Uh, it hasn't even started, I'm so excited about it. Um, We've got uh, Tiffany Joseph on the show today. Tiffany, welcome to the Behaviour Speak Podcast. So, before we get started, I just wanted to do uh, a short uh, uh, acknowledgement of uh, the uh, unceded lands in which I'm producing today's podcast. Uh, So today's podcast is being produced, you know, I thought it was, it's funny, I just, it's strange that I actually have this piece of paper lying in front of me and I'm going to just take a look at it here. Uh, it's, It's a strange coincidence. So, I was, uh, I, I'm, so I'm presenting this land uh, on the lands of, essentially, primarily the Tlaman people, uh, which are kind of located on the northern sunshine coast of uh, of uh, Western Canada. Um, some folks might be familiar with sort of the the Pacific Highway; it's called, um, which is sort of a unofficial uh road that goes from Canada all the way to the southern tip of South America. Um and technically the very beginning of the Pacific Highway is just about 15 miles or so north of the Twilight and First Nations. Um to, to try to give you uh some perspective. I uh but I happened upon this this email uh yesterday I was looking for uh um I was I was actually I was writing my bio for the podcast um uh, where I'm creating a press kit, and I was putting a, a bio together for the press kit. And I really wanted to reference you know um, where I am, where I am, where I'm from, and where I'm working in the language of the Talaman people. Uh, versus using the the sort of the colonizer names from where from where, where I'm located um and so I I was googling trying to find uh you know uh, basically I was looking for a sort of the the phonetic spelling of a couple of the names and somehow I happened upon this um, web page um, that was created by a, a local politician uh, and it happens to show a communique between him and uh, the Tlama Nation Culture and Heritage Manor, Manager, a guy named Drew Blaney. And I've referenced Drew a few times in both uh, in other podcasts, um, acknowledgements, as well as um, uh, I think I, I, during one interview that I did as well. And uh, so I thought I'd just read a bit of this because it's it's really interesting. Basically, the politician was writing to Drew to to get a bit of history of Sort of the Tlalman people um, on the island that I live on and um, so the island's called Texada Island um, and it's named after a, a Spanish conqueror captain whose last name was Tejeda so you don't actually pronounce the x's um, and he didn't he didn't actually came to the island apparently he just kind of sailed by one day and someone decided to name the island after him and the, the village I live in is called Gillies Bay again a name that has nothing to do with the island whatsoever and in fact nobody here no historian no museum curator has any idea who gillies even is um and so it's it just seems so wasteful that we've kind of we stole the we stole the land from the plarmen folks they had actual indigenous names you know of this of the community and this land they said no we don't want those anymore we're gonna we're gonna throw on names that actually have nothing to do with this place whatsoever, um, and so even more so, kind of speaking to sort of the point around, you know, returning lands and places back to their original names. So I just wanted to read a bit of this um, this uh, email that I got that sort of talks about the you know the 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 island, and so Sayayin is the name of the island. Um, and in our language, it refers to our end of the island. Um, and he says Sayak, which is the root word, refers to a point or one end of an island. So that's kind of the translation. The Talaman people have had a long history of, of on, on Sayayan stretching back thousands of years. Uh, uh, Tatlanak, and I could be butchering these pronunciations. Um, there's a great website, by the way, called firstvoices.com where you can uh, actually get the pronunciations of all these words, uh, was once an important fishing village for the Talaman people, where every type of salmon could, caught, could be caught. Uh, the Talaman people had long houses all through, oh, here we go, all through Tatlachnuch, that's how you pronounce it, and a handful of people um, sta- stayed here right until the early 1950s, apparently. So didn't know that. Uh, one elder shared with him that uh, her grandparents lived in a small cabin, which was situated at an area that we now call Kitty Point, Point. and on their return one summer, they were surprised to find that their house had been torn down and a power line had been built on their property. But this did not deter them from setting up camp and using their traditional fishing grounds. And now Esam which is the name of my village, also now known as Gillies Bay, was one of the best clam digging spots in the area. The bay is full of man-made clam beds, canoe skids, and is also a site of many burials. Kwethyskyn, which is called, now called Shelter Point, refers to a small the small island just in front of the campsite. So Shelter Point is a really popular campsite on, on the island. And this site was occupied for thousands of years, And from the archaeological evidence, this was a permanent site with multiple longhouses, and there's a shell midden, and a shell midden is essentially a place where, you know, the shells from oysters and whatnot and clams that were kind of caught and and fed, I think, were kind of stored there. Um, uh, uh, It's quite evident, proving our, our, our ancestors engineered the land so that it was suitable to build on. Tons of deer bone are also found here, indicating it was a popular deer hunting area. And also many pitch trees could be found here. The pitch could have been used for a number of things, but the main uses were to build and patch canoes. Interestingly enough, if you go to Shelter Point today, you can find one of those trees that they use for pitch and all the pitch is still dripping and the area is still there. And you touch that tree, and you know that thousands and thousands of years ago, um, there were, you know, uh, Tulaman people living there and, and working and using that pitch to 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 build their canoes. Sayan is also sacred territory shared territory with the Seashelt First Nation, which is kind of, I don't know, a hundred 100 miles south of here, uh, who also have a name for the island, although the seashelt did not occupy the island as much as the Tulaman did. So yeah, just it's just a nice email that that uh wrote to this politician a few years ago, giving us an, a nice kind of history of, of, uh, of Indigenous folks on this island. And I read this for a number of reasons. One, just to, you know, just to learn more and share more about where I'm from and try to, you know, connect more with the ton people. But also to dispel a myth, because there's been a myth on my island for years that, on my island, on their island for years, uh, that uh, Indigenous folks weren't here. And in fact, they were scared by, you know, I don't know whether they they thought the island was a monster or something, some bizarre sort of myth there. And in fact, up until recently, and maybe even still, actually, I haven't been there lately, our local museum had no artifacts and no reference whatsoever to the Indigenous folks here. Um, and so that's something I, I would like to kind of be involved in in in, in, in changing in some way and, and connecting with the crew to make that happen. I've I've had the privilege of meeting Drew. I met Drew and his brother. Um, his brother was the former fire chief of the Telemon fire department, and uh, Drew and Eric and his brother Eric came to our fire department. I'm also on the fire department here, and uh and gave us a really cool you know education on um on on the history here and and uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, I, I won't keep rambling, but I, I'm really grateful to, to be here. I'm really grateful to start making these connections with, um, you know, uh, the local first Peoples, and, uh, you know, hope to keep doing that and keep growing and learning. So um, thank you, Tiffany, for listening to my little story <laughs> at the beginning and, and we'll get started. I want to just give give folks a bit of a a preface to kind of what today's interview is all about um, um so some folks will be familiar with uh Tiffany's um, um work um through her sort of Instagram moniker nigh nigh functioning autism uh which clearly is is a play on a on a phrase that a lot of folks struggle with um uh and it's a, it's a great name uh and and, and she she does some really kind of amazing work on there. I found her actually through um, another guest I had on recently, another Tiffany, uh, Tiffany Hammond, um, and uh, uh, who folks might know as Fidgets and Fries. Um, who, by the way, I'll just slide in right now. Although by the time this is published, I assume everyone will know this, but I know just yesterday or something like that, uh, Tiffany released uh, her first uh, her first book, and apparently it's doing amazing. Bestseller on Amazon, bestseller in Canada. You know, uh, so so happy for her and and for that that work that she's put in. But um, yeah, you can definitely check out uh, Fidget Surprise to kind of learn more about that. <clears throat> One thing today's Tiffany um, has uh, really been known for is her work in 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 the realm of AAC. And AAC stands for Augmentative and Alternate Communication um and some folks will be well familiar with that phrase others will never have heard of it essentially augmentative and alternate communication in in my understanding and, and tiffany may may have some uh, well i'm sure have some other perspectives on this but it's essentially exactly what it is it, it's a way to sort of you know assist someone in in getting their message across and, and having a conversation and engaging others uh, some folks who use you know AAC maybe maybe some common sort of well more kind of well-known I guess examples of AAC might be you know folks like uh, you know, uh, folks will remember the 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 uh, you know Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking is a prime example a famous guy He had uh, ALS the uh, Luke Er's disease. I won't try to pronounce what ALS is uh, but essentially, a disorder that a degenerative disorder that slowly essentially took away all of his motor function. Um, uh, and he communicated through this device which he typed on initially. And eventually, I believe he was, you he was it's a, a really interesting kind of how AC devices can operate. It can get to the point where you know folks can operate it with like a twitch of the finger, you know, or, or a pulse on their elbow, or even eye, eye, eye gaze, so turning your eye to the left or right. Raise any any sort of you know type of motion someone can do. You can create. You can you can it can be transferred into an AAC device to create communication. And in fact, it's gotten so far advanced that they're 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 now able to uh, um, actually transfer brain signals um, to these devices. So you can you know stick some diodes or whatever, or wear a little skull cap with some wires on your head, and uh, and literally a thought and have it come out on the screen really really amazing stuff and obviously it's been um uh, i think more so probably the dollars towards ac research have probably been more in the sort of you know uh medical side so als strokes um you know those sorts of things i think those folks tend to you know uh, probably get a lot more support for, for for using those sorts of things but another area which where AAC gets used quite a bit is with folks um, um, uh, um, either either autistic folk or really anyone that has any kind of disability that limits their speech in some way. Um, or maybe it doesn't limit their speech but it limits, you know, sort of processing or the way they you know, the, way, the way they they, they got to get out speech. So, you know, folks can there there are there are AAC users like Tiffany who are able to speak But that doesn't mean it's easy. Um, That doesn't mean um, you know. uh, And I'm gonna, I'm I'm definitely. I want to dive into that a bit with Tiffany, so I I won't sort of uh, try to speak for her uh, on that piece. But one thing we're going to try to do today, which I I was really happy that you know uh, that the Tiffany was into. Typically when we see sort of folks using AAC in kind of the media, whether it be in sort of interview form like we're doing today, or it might be like uh, you know, some you know, we are we we tend to see a lot of AAC users in valedictorian speeches for some reason, uh, but uh in the news, which is interesting. But usually those are to my understanding, those are those aren't sort of in the moment communications. So you know, you don't have the individual who's up on the on the podium, you know, typing away or touching visual sim- or picture symbols or whatever to communicate. They've pre-written um, um, or pre-created the, the message. And then when they get to sort of the moment, they, you know, tap a button and it speaks it up. There was a, actually, there was a fella, there was a fella, I think it was like America's Got Talent or something Couple of years back, who uh, who was uh, who who didn't have spe- vocal speech? I think he had cerebral palsy, but he didn't have vocal speech, and he was a comedian. Um, and he essentially sent all his messages by tapping a button. They were all pre-done, pre-done jokes, because if he didn't do that, there would be o- the obvious sort of pauses, you know. So someone's got to type a message, and you've got to kind of wait for that to happen. And depending on their ability to type, their motor skills. You know um that might happen really quickly or that might take a long time and i really wanted to have an authentic real conversation with tiffany uh not something that was pre-planned i didn't want to send her questions never type answers i wanted to have an actual exchange the actual exchange though is gonna is gonna have pauses i don't know if this is going to be released as a video so folks are gonna hear the audio of this conversation, I'm going to ask Tiffany a question, and then I'm going to wait for her to type the answer and prepare it in whatever way she wants uh, and send it back to me. And so you folks are all going to wait too. Um, uh, is this going to be a long conversation? I have no idea. We're going to talk like every other podcast. I want to have a nice free-flowing chat um, uh, about some things, you know, some different topics that we kind of have talked about before uh, uh, that we talk about, but I just wanted to let folks know there's nothing wrong with your computer. There's nothing wrong with your audio device. Uh, there, there's no sound missing. These, these pauses are what are natural pauses and natural communication. And I think it's really important for folks to understand that you know that's what these conversations are 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 really like. And 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 I, I just think it's really important for folks to sort of you know. Um, See the reality of of what these what these exchanges are like. So, I think we'll get right to it. So, I think Tiffany, maybe the first question I might ask um, um, is uh, I got kind of two questions I'm going to ask, and 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 I'll, we'll get you answer the one at a time. Uh, the first question I'll, I I tend to ask guests is you know kind of a bit of history, you know, kind of you know how you got to kind of doing what you're doing essentially i you know i i, mean, I don't actually know what you do um, <laughs> i think you're you know i think you know you maybe you kind of identify as, as an advocate of sorts um um and you kind of do advocacy kind of work i you know i don't know what other things you do but I think your 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 social media work definitely seems to kind of fall under that sort of you know disability kind of advocate advocacy kind of kind of work um and so i want to get into that but before we do i, I there, there's one question that i have that i think other folks might might be interested to know um, i i tried to iterate already but i'd like to get your perspective folks that are familiar with aac users like i said they're usually familiar with folks that don't don't talk or, un, or unable to create motor, you know, don't have the motor skills or whatever, wh- whatever the reason is, maybe it's a, a brain, you know, m- motor, a mouth connection or something, but they're, they're either unable to, or it takes a crazy amount of effort to create words uh, and, and to say words. Um, and so they'll use a device to communicate those messages. You're different though you 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 and I have chatted you 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 speak um you're able to carry on a conversation um you and I we chatted for you know half an hour or so a few months back, planning this and and, and it was all through through vocal speech. So you know, I have a good idea why, but I I just kind of want to hear it from your voice and and let others kind of understand w- why do you use AAC? And for folks that can't, uh, can't don't see the video after I said that, uh, um, uh, Tiffany nodded, and now she's typing, and that's what she'll be doing after each time I ask her a question. So here we go.
3: I have difficulty speaking fluently in general, but there are times when I try to talk and
1: the wrong words come out, Mm. or I am sent down a long conversation without my doing, meaning I am watching myself have a conversation I don't mean to.
3: Mm.
1: Writing is a lot more accurate for me, easier, and because I have epilepsy, sometimes I can't even speak at all. So it means I have a way to
3: communicate no matter what neurological state I am in. Makes
2: a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. This is also, you know, I'm not trying to make this about me, but this is also just an interesting experience, and I kind of just want to share it a bit. um, In that, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to be respectful, and it's, it's, it's (laughs) kind of hard. You know, it's, uh, you know, a part of me wanted to go pet my dog who's sitting over here. You know, a part of me wanted to go check my phone. Uh, a part of me wanted to get up and go to the washroom um you know um and you know i'm certainly you could have you know sat there and could, could you continue to type and i could have done all those things um but i imagine you know you know it's it's much like the the person looking at their watch you know when you're having a conversation or 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 uh, or you know or, looking at, or or doing all those things while you're having a conversation i mean um I I, I I would imagine it's
3: it's it's gotta be difficult, yeah. and so do you
2: do you have a lot of conversations like this, and how do they go? like is it is it do you only do it with sort of trusted people or I'm curious sort of, you know, what that sort of interaction experience is like for you, I guess.
3: The first secret word is pause. I generally use AAC outside of trusted or close people. The reason is
1: I have a huge comfort level that makes speech so very much easier. However, it is more difficult with the public because of lack of understanding and patience. Many will walk away while I am typing, Mm. try to finish my sentences, or look over my shoulder. Mm. Very frustrating.
3: I have great encounters and terrible ones. About 50-50.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mad. yeah, looking over your shoulder or trying to finish your sentences, it's got to be, yeah. I mean, not only is it kind of, you know, evasive and rude, you know, it just, I mean, just like in any conversation, interrupting and, you know, trying to sort of guess what someone's saying is so annoying and so frustrating for anyone. Um, but there's also, I, I imagine you know, a, a real kind of how do you put it? Kind of, you know, almost kind of ableistic kind of twist to it all, you know, because, you know, they're, it's almost like they're, they're here, here, you're communicating with me, but you know, I can make it easier. I can make it better. Cause I'm, you know, I'm a talker and I know best, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's brutal. Wow. Um, so I, I, I just kind of going back to the, the the original question I wanted to ask, which I which I ask every guest when I bit when I got into. I want you to just maybe tell us a little about yourself, and uh, you know, uh, kind of a you know, what do you what do you do? Like what 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 do you kind of do for work, or 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 or, or what? You know, how, how do you fill your day? I know you I know you're I know you're 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 you're, you're a parent, and I know you're an advocate, but you know, I, I don't know a lot about you, um, and uh, and sort of you know. What kind of led you to do, you know, kind of the work in the in in the social media kind of space um and and then sort of, you know, what kind of what are your kind of overall kind of, you know, you know, goals like what, what what's, you know, what, what kind of what kind of messages are you trying to get out there, you know, something like that. <laughs>
3: I cheated because I grabbed my bio and
1: copied and pasted. <laughs> but AAC users generally find ways to make communication easier and faster. Makes
3: sense.
1: I am Tiffany, and I am the creator from ni functioning autism. My pronouns are she, her, they, them. I am a single mother to three neurodivergent children, two teens and a preteen. <laughs> I was first diagnosed on the autism spectrum at age 19. It was actually called Asperger's then, mm. and again in my 30s. I was diagnosed with autism adjacent things as a child, though like ADHD and Central Auditory Processing Disorder. Similar to my ASD diagnosis, I was also diagnosed with epilepsy mm. and late, even though I had clear signs of both as a child. I also have an autistic, <laughs> autistic sibling, and some cousins. I am an AAC user generally and speak around people I am comfortable with. I write and create on multiple social media platforms to share my
3: knowledge and my experiences. I cheated.
0: <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, cool. Wow, that's that's
2: that's busy. Three, three, uh, three, three ND youth in the family are... are is it various diagnoses? Or are they all autistic, or you got some autism, autism, save ADHD, little mix?
3: Two oldest autistic and ADHD, youngest and in sensory processing disorder.
0: That was ADHD and sensory processing disorder. Gotcha,
2: gotcha. Right on, yeah. Wow, that's busy, busy, busy. Um,
3: and... Uh, yeah.
2: I, you know, you, you commented that you cheated. Uh, and, and I don't think, <laughs> and I giggled, but just because he said you cheated, but I don't think it's cheating, you know, I think, I think, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of assumptions, like, I mean, we know there's a lot of assumptions about a lot of different things, but I think AAC in particular, at least from my perspective, I've I've had a lot of assumptions, so, sort of, because my kind of exposure to AAC was through school. I I took a course called AAC uh, and it was taught by a a, a behavior analyst, BCBA, uh, who uh, primarily worked with, um, I think her background was mostly working with the deaf um, sort of community. and, you know, and sign language is definitely a form of AAC. Um, and, uh, you know, so she had some, a bit of expertise there, I suppose. Um, and, you know, she, she, uh, I, I remember a project she had us do sort of early on. And basically she said, what what, what I want you to do is I want you to, you know, create a, create a, essentially a symbol sheet. Uh, and then I want you to go to a restaurant um, and, and. Try to try to get through that entire experience with just that symbol sheet. I did not get very far, you know. I was like, "Hi, how are you?" I want a coke, and after that, I had nothing I could say. Um, um, and and so, you know, I I think there's a there's probably a lot of you know, and I'm I'm probably making assumptions here, but there's probably a lot of you know cheats and tricks and 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 techniques really that you know I think any sort of competent AAC user would have to kind of go through I because I just can't imagine you having to type all the time like I mean what what happens what happens when arthritis kicks in down the road you know or or I mean I can just imagine carpal tunnel from from doing this like not I'm sorry I'm, I'm showing my fingers down here um, uh, um uh, and so I, I think I think it's not cheating I think it's 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 smart um you know to to kind of have you know some of these sort of set phrases and set paragraphs because you're because on but on the same time it's probably a bit frustrating that you're getting asked the same questions all the time um you know so much that you actually have a copy and pasted paragraph to answer those questions um but yeah no i think that 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 it's, it's just really amazing kind of kind of kind of the work you're doing so what what led you to um 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 what what what's kind of the main focus of 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 the nigh functioning autism kind of social media platform what 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 are there, there's a lot of stuff happening there instagram is tough on my uh uh easily distracted brain um and uh you know I, I i i've been watching more of your stuff lately just because i knew you were coming on but you know there there's a lot of information coming out there and Clearly a lot of folks are into it, but what's kind of the central themes that you really like to kind of get into on there?
3: I forgot to add I am also a teacher of communication to non-speaking autistic people and about to work
1: as a paraeducator for high school. I am mostly trying to figure out how to make assistive and adaptive technology more accessible along
3: with hopefully changing special education in this country to presume competence to giving access to literacy. I forgot to add I am also a teacher of communication to non-speaking autistic people and about to work
1: as a paraeducator for high school. I am mostly trying to figure out how to make assistive and adaptive technology more accessible along with hopefully changing special education in this country to presume competence Hmm. to giving access to literacy and multiple types of communication methods. I would like autistic and disabled kids to get more access to communication devices and methods as early as 12 months
3: old. I forgot.
0: Awesome.
2: That's really cool. And by the way, if you heard me typing while you were typing, that was me just typing more questions to ask you. I'm not working on other projects. That's <laughs> um, ah, really cool. So yeah. And, 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 and who better to kind of, you know, be the teacher of uh, uh, of uh, of these sorts of skills than, than you know, someone with lived experience, an actual user. Um, I think, how I got a few questions that I want to ask, and not in a row, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and I also want to make sure that, you know, this, as much as I would love to just have a chat with you and you know, shoot the shit and talk about life. Uh, I, I definitely also want to, you know, make sure that we get, get a good message out to folks and folks learn some stuff here. Um, first question I have is, is is what was kind of your path journey in using AC? Like, how did you start using AC, and, and sort of what was the reason for you to, like, what, what, what motivated you to do that? Or... You know, you know, how'd you get into using AAC yourself, and then when, and when?
3: It actually took me feeling so bad and feeling like a failure so
1: long that I opened my eyes to what was actually right in front of me. Mm. I have non-speaking friends that use AAC speech generation devices as their only form of full communication. I have known about AAC and letterboard for years. Mm. I just never put two and two together that people with fluctuating speech could use anything other than speech.
3: Mm.
1: I knew about sign languages and picture cards. And I knew about suffering until my speech worked again. Mm. I never thought about using non-speech ways until a podcaster years ago had asked me to be on her podcast. And I said, well, whenever I'm in town, sure. Mm. She told me we could do it by phone. And I instantly said no. I didn't use the phone. Mm. I didn't answer nor make calls. Didn't matter whether it was for my kids' schools or home repairs. Everyone that didn't email or text me never got a response. Honestly, it was ruining my life in many relationships.
3: Mm.
1: It put my housing at risk within a few times. But all of the sensory issues I mentioned earlier that affect my speech all hit me together on the phone. But, in that moment of telling her no, I felt bad. Bad enough, it made me look for non-speech options to use for that particular podcast. Mm. From using it for that reason, I thought, why not all phone calls? I can finally make and receive phone calls. Or in person. Now, I don't feel like I have to stay away from people, Mm. ever afraid they will talk to me when I am not ready, and I will say something insulting or weird. Mm. Many times, just having AAC handy makes me comfortable enough that my mouth words work more than they did before. And even the thought of writing something on AAC helps the factory keep words coming in time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Really cool.
3: And really tough. Wow. Hmm.
2: Um. You mentioned kind of speech generating devices, and I know when I kind of first got into the field myself, you know they were <laughs> they were pretty funky um, some of the devices that were out there, you know I mean, we're talking, you know, large, large sort of you know plastic things where you'd kind of you know insert a sheet of of photo, of pictures into the sort of grid thing. And then, you know, you know uh, you, you'd, you'd kind of have to push. You'd have to get right on the picture and fit your finger in the little square grid. It was like, you know, it was like playing Operation um, in some ways. And uh, there was things like like Go talk I think that was a, a popular one back in the day. And then at some point, you know, the they started getting into kind of the digital screens. And there was things like, I think one of the popular ones was like the Dynavox um and uh, and uh which I think is actually made made by it was either made by or at least it used the same symbols as as the very famous board maker program that you know a lot of professionals use um um which I, I I'm just gonna make a note. ask a boardmaker question uh, uh, um, and so, but the Dynavox, as I remember, I mean th- that thing was, thousands of dollars to buy this you know box which essentially you know looked a lot like a phone um was probably a little thicker um and uh, it had a touch screen and the whole nine yards but they were crazy expensive and 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 i and i I can't imagine you know what you know the funding you know needed to kind of get those and you know again i'm sure folks were you know had a physical disability they're much more likely to probably get funding and support for those things and then in and then finally in came the ipad and the tablets and started making you know a lot of the stuff just a whole lot more accessible um first question i guess is, is is did you did you use some of that old funky stuff back in the day and then, and then, sort of work your way kind of up into sort of iPads and 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 Word and whatnot.
3: No, but I have seen those things still being
2: used with clients. <laughs> I started on my Android phone. Gotcha, gotcha. I wanted to ask, I mentioned board maker, so I just wanted to ask a, a, a couple of board maker, a board maker question, and on a related note, a pex question. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really hope I can release the video because... You know, uh, as we know, communication is you know like seven percent words and ninety three percent nonverbals, and and there was quite a few nonverbals when I said pecs. so um, that I hope folks could share. I'm curious. So, f- from the professional perspective, from behavior analysts or speech paths or whoever, um, uh, behavior analysts, I think more so, uh, boardmaker is something of an institution. Um, you know, uh, I think every, everyone, every behavior analyst I've ever ever known, including myself, you know, used Boardmaker, you know, throughout their career. Um, I, I, I think Boardmaker in of itself probably isn't problematic. It's just a program for making picture symbols. I think what, and so I, I don't really have a question about Boardmaker. I think my question is about PECs. So PEX is called the Picture Exchange Communication System developed by uh, you know, Andy Boddy and Lori Frost. And Andy's a behavior analyst, Lori is a speech path. Um, any 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 behavior analyst person out there will 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 know those folks um you know uh, you know uh, very well and will know that program very well. And it's essentially sort of presented as the place you should always start. With AAC, with autistic folk, from the professional perspective, not saying it is, not saying it's right or good, or not endorsing or anything. It just seems to be the go-to whenever there's a question. Well, always start with PECs, get them used to the different phases of PECs, and then eventually, someday, transition them to a speech generating device because now they'll have some of those prereq skills and so on and so forth, um, and. But um but when I but when I kind of and, and I have seen some, you know, use of pecs, you know, and, and and you know kids grabbing symbols and handing them to people and putting them in the finished pocket and all that kind of stuff and 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 you know and 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 it has you know been effective in terms of sort of you know the initial goals, which generally seem seem to be around sort of the reduction of, you know, uh sort of challenging behavior or whatever um uh and 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 definitely seen some effectiveness there but i've i've you know i i don't know that i've ever seen you know and and just because i haven't seen it doesn't mean it's out there you know anyone actually having a engage in a full-on conversation on on phase six or whatever of pecs you know with you know all of the ins and outs and stuff you know and and sort of this you know the the insistence on the i want strip and all these sorts of pieces um
3: what's your perspective on pecs which I know might be a loaded question. One thing I want to clear up that people confuse. Packs and picture cards are not the same.
1: Picture cards are awesome. Mm. Packs as a system is terribly controlling of a student's communication. Mm. Picture cards can be used for when AAC is difficult or not available at the moment. Or when AAC is overstimulating. Mm. But picture cards can't take the place of real robust communication because it is controlled by the person who chooses the cards. Pecs hmm. shouldn't ever be used because it requires handling the cards, which is difficult for some motor skills. Hmm. And it requires a hierarchy of words, which is not how natural communication even works. Hmm. It causes communication trauma too, which is a very real thing I talk about a lot. Hmm.
2: A, a, a great segue because... That was one of the questions I typed. I, I saw I happened to flip open your your Instagram account just a few minutes before uh, we started, and I saw your reference to AAC trauma. I Wonder if you could just tell us, and I imagine AAC trauma, communication trauma, are kind of one and the same. I imagine. Um, uh, what what the, what what does that mean? What is AAC trauma? What is communication trauma?
3: Communication trauma has its basis in oralism, which means treating speaking communication as the gold
1: standard and denying rights to those who communicate in different ways. Mm. AAC trauma is caused by AAC implementation going wrong from choosing the wrong app, not customizing it to make it special to someone like our mouth voices are. Also, the biggest factor is in controlling someone's communication to the point where they no longer feel
3: safe communicating at all with people or with certain methods, like like AAC.
2: Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, okay. And I've definitely heard bits of kind of that perspective on, especially on the con- kind of the controlling piece. You know, I, I think of sort of, An example that always comes to me, you know, kind of in my experience early on, it's kind of a frontline staff
0: working in group homes, that sort of thing. Um, was and and prime, you know, primarily
2: you were using kind of the the picture based systems and uh, PECS or some or some variation of it was the idea that you know we're going to take symbols out of that binder because we don't want to honor those things you know like we're going to like we're taking mcdonald's out of the binder because then he's just going to keep asking for mcdonald's every day all day that's sort of the the rhetoric or the the, you know the rationale uh you know we're gonna we're gonna take usually it's sort of Generally, it's usually the fun, enjoyable things that the individual you know likes. We're going to remove those or only have them available in the times where we can honor them. Um, and so, the idea, you know, that that could be traumatic or or stre- certainly stressful, you know, is is it really isn't isn't hard to believe. Um, Um, and I I like that you make kind of the distinction between kind of picture symbols and pecs because symbols in in and of themselves can be really helpful really valuable and I think and in fact a lot of the devices that are out there right now are symbol based I mean we're not expecting folks to be you know as I say this I was going to say we're not expecting folks to be literate but I almost think you know we need to reevaluate how we define literacy, right?, uh, because literacy in our minds is reading text um, and processing text. But and 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 feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here, or uh, text is just symbols. Letters are symbols. you know the T is just a a line and another line. Uh, you know, if we look at any language that we don't speak, you know, you know, I think I've been I've, I've connected on social media with a lot of folks, um, you know, from kind of the Ukraine uh, and uh, and the Middle East and and uh, and uh, and different countries like that. And we know that their alphabets are completely different um, um, and um, and essentially, you know, you know, you know, I don't understand them, but those are just s- s- symbolic communication. And so really, literacy should be, in my mind, defined as, and maybe it is, I don't know, but defined as, you know, some, you know, visual representation of language, you know, that we, that one deciphers um, in order to send or receive, you know, kind of communication with that kind of be be somewhat accurate yeah yeah that, and and again for those aren't listening i got some thumbs up um it, it, <laughs> thank you um um so yeah i mean i really think i really think and 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 the push does seem to be towards text-based literacy Uh, And so much. And I I get it. I mean, I think if folks are able to read text, and and, and it's not going to be a stressful, you know, like traumatic sort of experience, it's certainly going to open up, you know, more access to, you know, information and whatnot. But it also sort of speaks to, again, and this leads to my next question, it speaks to, again, kind of ableistic societal expectations. You know, that we read text um, um when you know, you know, I think we're starting to see in some venues, particularly you know, I think uh you know, restaurants and menus uh, i'm I'm starting to see them at like playgrounds a little more that have like visual symbols on signs. um but generally speaking, society is 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 uh is a textual kind of. Uh, communicator and I think you know I think I think some some changes need to kind of be there so the the question a couple questions that I have and we'll start with this one um but I'll tell you I'll tell you both questions maybe just so you can have some thoughts but I'm wondering one sort of I mean I'll just start with the first question so how can we we as first first off how can we as listeners you know, so basically, if we want to use the, you know, the, 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 the language of the behavior analyst or the speech pathologist, how can we as communicative partners, um, how can we as listeners, you know, do better, you know, be more supportive, be more, sort, be, be better communicators with folks that are using AAC. How can, how can we make your lives easier? Um, uh, you know, because I think, I think, uh, I think I think that's a piece that folks really need to understand if they really want to be a lot more inclusive of folks using AAC.
3: The second secret word is autistic. Bless you. I do want to stress that literacy with text Mm. or whichever symbols stand in place of text is still
1: extremely important and that everyone with capital letters, Mm. everyone has the right to be taught their regions text because there are infinite possibilities to communicate like that. But I will see better partners or those that understand that lack of speech or different speech doesn't identify any difference in critical thinking skills or deep thought good communication partners are those that are extremely patient for whichever way we communicate but also they understand that being interrupted is hard they also allow for various forms of communication which can change at any moment given sensory environments or conditions like epilepsy
0: Hmm. yeah yeah
2: no i think that's a fair point i mean i think i mean you're right i mean i I mean, text does really open up so many opportunities, you know, especially in terms of employment and and uh, and 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 schooling and you know and connecting and you know and really, <laughs> it's going to be a long time before society is 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 entirely goes entirely picture based. So, you know, I think you know, if if, if if in the lifetime in the lifetimes of anyone we're supporting right now being able to access text in some way is, is is going to be valuable to them. You know, maybe their great-great-grandkids might get some benefits out of some other changes. I really like your point about sorry, a couple points. One, I like your point about interrupting, um, you know, and I, I kind of alluded to sort of my urge to interrupt. Um, you know, I, I have ADHD, I have so I have some impulse control issues. Um and I've I have i have had several thoughts in my head. That I've avoided or actions that I've avoided doing during this conversation. I'm trying really hard, um, and and it's difficult. And um, and and I think that I think that's okay. I mean, it, this is new for me, and it's going to be new for other folks, um, as, as as they have those engagements. And and, but you're equally doing a wonderful job of 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 sort of acknowledging that and respecting that, and uh, you know, you're. I, I'm enjoying talking to you. Um, um, and I'm enjoying the pause, to be honest. It's a, it's a bit zen, to be in a way. Uh, um, so that's cool. Uh, but I really liked your other point about, which I think could be difficult for some folks, especially folks that have, you know, struggle with focus, which isn't most people. So I, I'm I'm really speaking from my own perspective. The the switching from modalities sort of on the fly. So the idea that you might type into your generating device, uh, you might suddenly talk, you might suddenly use sign language, you might suddenly gesture, you might suddenly throw a picture card my way. Um, or you might just punch me in the head. I mean, <laughs> not you particularly, but I'm saying, you know, there, there's 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 a uh, you know there, there's so many different ways of sort of uh, of um, you know getting a message across, um, and you know I think we have to be open to that possibility that 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 we have to open to the idea that more can be better. Um, And having a lot of different options, depending on like you said, depending on the sensory input, I apologize that punch in the head comment was not was not valuable. Uh, But the, um, the, uh, the uh, more can be better the different the different modalities, you know, the different sensory inputs, you know, whether it's, you know, simple things like my fingers hurt or, or simple things like this picture symbol will communicate my message so much quicker than, you know, typing a whole paragraph. um, or or whatnot so I think I think that's really important for folks to understand that, that and I think that's really important when you're teaching that you're not you're not uh... this is the message that I think was hammered in early to me but I don't know that it's 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 practice for everybody is that once you give someone some ability to communicate you never take it away um, ever again uh, and if there's going to be, and, and, and I think, I think there's sort of this belief that, you know, let's use picture cards for an example, that once someone switches over to a speech generating device, they don't need the picture cards anymore. Cause they can just use the device all the time. Um, they don't need to, you know, they don't need to do other things. Um, uh, I think, you know, I think, you know, a real kind of surface level example might be uh i saw you had a recent post where i think you were at a maybe you were at a swimming pool maybe with the kids or something um and you really can't be in the water with your speech generating device <laughs> you know <laughs> they haven't made ipods waterproof yet i mean i think they're probably working on it but uh uh you know and so when you're when you're at the side of the pool and you want to you know you know get some help or talk to somebody you might need to have a you know a laminated picture card with you, or, or often we see, I mean, I think a great example that we often see with um, uh, uh, um, particularly, I think with, uh, you know, uh, I think it seems to happen more often with, uh, you know, deaf folks uh, um, is, you know, is, uh, is when they walk into a store or whatever, they'll hand the storekeeper a card that has a whole paragraph written on it, you know, uh, about you know, whatever they want to do or, or what they want to say that that is just another mode of communication, you know that's I mean, I, I think I think you know, deaf people most most folk, a, a lot of folks who are deaf we use sign language, but most of the world does not understand sign language. Um, and so you know, they've got to have means of communicating with other people. So sometimes it's not maybe not just about even your own sort of um, needs to switch around but it's it might depend on the context that you have to kind of switch around and have different different modalities so i think that makes makes a lot of sense you you right now i think we talked before are using um to speak to me right now you're using uh, proloquo to go right i think that's the program you said you're using or you are you using uh the, the word proloquo for tech Proloquo for text. Uh, thanks for the correction. My, my only experience with Proloquo was when it first came out like 15 years or 20 years ago and they called it Proloquo to Go and that's all I've ever called it. Um, uh, Proloquo for text. Um, which uh,
3: I also use Proloquo to Go.
2: Oh, well what's the difference? Um,
3: one is just a text base. Hmm. Like this is I don't know if you
2: can see sure like it's just tech yep yeah. the other is simple oh, so things I see I see I see I see gotcha so I'm curious what are some of the the barriers or struggles that even someone you know even a very competent AAC user like yourself kind of might go through I mean I think we saw we saw a couple inklings of it in today's conversation where I think uh you know uh, I don't know if it was like an email ding popped up or something and it, it interrupted the messaging and you had to kind of start it over a couple of times um um I, I'm, I'm curious sort of a what are some of those barriers or struggles um uh That are there for you, but also just I think for listeners to understand so that you may have, you know, some of these sort of, you know, blips coming up that are unintentional on your part, Uh, but yet folks kind of need to understand when they're when they're when they're
0: communicating.
3: mm mm-hmm. Pictures are difficult for widespread communication also up for interpretation in various settings or
1: cultures and punches and the hat can certainly be clear communication, lol. The main issues are technologies, like Mm -hmm. notifications, even when the Do Not Disturb is on. Updates make changes to AAC systems like changing customizations and voices. Mm. Learning to handle the technology issues that arise with any type of device is important. No more important in AAC technologies because it is someone's voice. And they happen extremely often. Like today, I am using a different app than my usual because the voices
3: are wrong for some reason after an update to my iPad.
2: Yeah, super frustrating. <laughs>
3: So I feel like
2: I'm I thinking about a, a bit of an analogy here. There's been a lot of talk in 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 in, in the field I'm in, which is ABA applied behavior analysis. Um, um, there's been a lot of talk, but uh, but there's been uh, uh, specifically around, um, you know the consumers of our services you know being way more involved in sort of every aspect of the creation of those services uh you know both in both in terms of consent and assent you know during actual sort of service delivery but also you know in collaborating you know in terms of goal development and those sort of things and even more so and maybe even most importantly in the research kind of area. So they're really, you know, autistic involvement in research on a lot of levels. And I've got a bunch of episodes that I, I can certainly link if folks care um, that, 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 that that get into those some of those issues. I'm wondering if, if that's the same when it comes to sort of the development of AAC systems and the technology for AAC. I feel like, and I could, and and I I hope I'm wrong, but I I somehow doubt it. I I feel like users of AAC aren't involved in creating AAC technology. Would 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 that be accurate? Hmm. A little bit. They might be. So you think so? And again, uh, you haven't typed anything, so I'm, I'm I'm just sort of guessing here is it is it that they're involved in sort of evaluating the quality of it or or are they involved in actually kind of creating sort of you know like for example proloquo to text was there were were aac users actually part of the kind of design of that system do you even know i mean you might not even know yeah no probably don't um I'm, I'm, so I guess I'm, I guess the question I have is: Do you know if AAC users are involved in some way in the development of these systems, and particularly in terms of you know I think because I'm thinking about some of these barriers and struggles you're facing, and thinking these devices have been around for a long time, like you know the the the, 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 the technology has moved from expensive Dynavox to cheaper tablet, but the technology has been there for decades. I'm surprised that that simple barrier is like the iPad updating its software could totally ruin a conversation. Um, And so I'm I'm just sort of curious if, 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 you know, AAC users, at least from, from your knowledge are in any way involved in either creating, hopefully they're reviewing and, and providing feedback. Do you know anything about
3: that? Yeah. I don't work for AssistiveWare who makes the ProLogo apps, and they heavily involve us in
1: all the processes. Hmm. They do have AAC users on staff, too. I don't know about the other companies, but AssistiveWare has bi-weekly chats with adult AAC users and actually use our feedback and updates.
3: Cool.
1: The other apps, I am not sure. But the update thing is something other AAC users and companies to tell us about before and when not to update.
3: Mm.
1: I didn't bother to pay attention, but it happens nearly every update. So we are usually told to wait for updates until the AAC companies have already provided their fixes.
2: Mm. Gotcha.
0: Well, that's
2: something anyway. So you said assistive Just, I think you already mentioned... What it was, but I I didn't catch it. Which which program does a system player make?
3: Or programs? Proloquo
1: to go, Proloquo for
0: text. and the new app, just called Proloquo. Mm, gotcha. Okay, yeah.
2: And that makes, and I guess that makes some sense. I think those folks have been, they've been doing it for a long time. Um, and so I'm, I'm not surprised that they would. Uh, well, I, I'm, I guess I'm a little surprised, happily surprised that they're that they're that they're doing that piece. It's, it's so interesting that that's happening and yet you know the people that are delivering often delivering the services you know maybe aren't so much i'd like to i, I don't I'm, I'm not looking to you know sort of a come and attack professions here and there but and but i also want to want to have honest conversation generally speaking from uh from the perspective of the behavior analyst Uh, at least this is what we're, we're sort of taught and educated on. It's a speech language pathologist that's generally the profession that does the assessments and recommendations and training and whatnot for AAC devices. Again, just from your experience, I know you're not speaking for the whole field, you're speaking from one perspective is uh, well I should just add add to add to my thought here so I feel like I need to type some, some some questions here i'm having trouble coming up with the words um um, um
3: i'm thinking about
2: i'm thinking about the fact that This is your mode of communication. This is essentially your voice, these devices and these different modalities. In any other sort of language or learning or whatever, you know, uh, when you're learning to communicate, you either do that on your own, your parents teach you how to, you know, your parents model. Uh, You know, I saw a couple of recent posts of yours around modeling and what that can look like um um by the way folks just dive into uh, into into tiffany's um a functioning autism page and, and you're going to get kind of way deeper level answers to, to a lot of the concepts and questions we're talking about here and so i'm not looking to dig too deep today i just really want to kind of get some messages out but anyway point being it. It doesn't seem like when folks are learning to speak or learning or, or learning languages, you know, I mean, these days there's, you know, there's even apps to learn languages or whatever, that they all need to go to a speech path to get their, you know, communication system across. I get the value of speech speech language pathology. They're, they're, they do a lot of really good things, you know, particularly when it comes to, you know, I think, you know, um, 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 and in fact, I don't even know that their, their job title is, is accurate, you know, because they do a lot of things like around feeding and and um and, you know and uh you know and, and other kinds of adaptations, accommodations related to that. Uh, but they are tend to be known as the the as the folks to go to when you're looking for you know AAC support. I mean, unless you're going to learn sign language, which you can do that at a completely different place. Um I don't know if this is the right question. I guess what I'm I'm, I'm kind of wondering, and I'll phrase this a couple ways, and you can just answer it the one way. But you know, do you think speech language pathologists are, you know, the right folks for the job, um, for for kind of doing AC? or do you think they are, but they should be working with you know other professionals or I just I'm 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 wondering kind of what 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 your thoughts there are on sort of the SLP profession and you know and and the delivery of AAC services you know the broad view of course <laughs>
3: I think a good speech therapist who understands
1: proper implantation of AAC is the best resource ever.
3: Hmm.
1: However, an ESLP that doesn't know how to avoid oralism or AAC trauma can cause too many problems and that makes them not worth the trouble. Hmm. Parents can surely start modeling on their own and definitely should. But a good speech pathologist can guide them properly
3: along the way.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Uh, That's a great answer. I'm wondering then are there, uh, for for sure, there's the modeling piece. And again, I refer folks to, um, you know, um, um, Tiffany's Instagram to kind of dig into modeling and what that looks like and the different ways modeling can you know, be presented and, and that modeling does not have to be perfect. And in fact, you know, and in fact, I, I had, I, I had, a, a, a I think maybe I worked with an SLP that maybe fits into the category you described because she was really, and she really emphasized the importance of, of, of not only modeling and, 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 and so this was in a group home setting. So the staff, she, she really encouraged that the staff use the AC devices to communicate with each other. Um, she, uh, she, uh, she talked about, um, um, um you know, just messing around with it and, and learning it, learning about the device on your own, but doing that in front of the individual, um, so that, you know, you're, and, and, and that, and, 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 and to kind of echo, I think something you had said in a recent post that to be clumsy and, and not intentionally, but to be, you know authentically first time trying first few times trying be clumsy with it you know learn that process because if the individuals watching you struggle and maybe make mistakes you know they may be more likely to feel comfortable making those same mistakes and moving forward um but i'm wondering for parents i think more so and i think for and even for behavior analysts who might be recommending you know, a speech path or SLP to work with an individual. What are the kinds of either questions or maybe red flags? What are kind of those indicators that can tell them that maybe this particular SLP might fall into that oralism, communication trauma lens, so you're not putting someone through that, you know, sort of beforehand?
3: Red flags include hiding words, whether pictures or buttons on a device.
1: Mm. They don't think the student can learn, so they don't provide the most amount of symbols or words available. If they use hand over hand, then they don't understand bodily autonomy. They don't think communication is priority number one and don't mix literacy into all lessons. Mm. If they lock customizations from families and don't customize at all. Mm. If they think a student will always be overwhelmed with more choices when all they really need to do model how to use those choices. And last, but there are definitely more. They don't believe in a student's capability to express their full selves. They won't foster an environment for a student to learn fully.
0: Yeah. Right
2: on. Yeah. Really good tips. And that last point leads me to something you said kind of early on when you were sort of talking about your, 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 when we did kind of the intro questions about, you know, what you do and what your work is. And one phrase you used, which, you know, I've, I've heard, I've only heard once before. Um, and it was by a autistic advocate I, I used to work with, a guy named Alex Magnuson. Um, and for folks who, I don't know if folks have heard of him or not, but he's, he's got a TED talk out there somewhere. So you can look up Alex Magnuson, TED talk, really, really neat, neat, neat guy, but, um, and awesome. And I think we'll actually, our company will be, has 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 worked, has, Worked with him even maybe outside. Anyway, I don't remember. Uh, but he uh, he uh, he used a phrase with me early on. I had him. I had him. So he he moved on to a, another gig that I think is just perfect for sort of his skill set. I can't remember what it is now, but I'll find it in the show notes. Um, but I, I had him working on a project with me um, to sort of basically. Find all the ableism within sort of the text of our policies and our behavior plans and all that kind of stuff, and it was really cool. I learned a lot from him and one thing he really hammered into me was this 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 two word phrase which I just heard you say and and he just said it over and over again. he says, Ben, if there's one thing you know you folks can do and do a whole lot better when you're when you're working with um, you know all these different folks uh, neurodivergent folks and so on is presume competence that was a phrase that you just said and 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 I wonder if you could just sort of elaborate on that a bit what what do you mean by presume competence and and what is it that kind of professionals tend to do that isn't presuming competence and and sort of you know because I think I think we have this sort of assumption, we have this real problematic connection between lack of vocal capability um, and intelligence and competence and so on and so forth, I just want to hear your thoughts on
3: that. Presuming competence means that we don't assume that a person has knowledge. But
1: it means assuming that person can always learn and be taught like any non-disabled person. It means that we assume a person can think critically and deeply like anyone else. We must understand that many intellectuals. Neurological or developmental disabilities are really physical differences in the way a person can control their movements including their mouths. that make them appear to not understand because they cannot move themselves like typical people and that they can't move their mouths or eyes the way others do. Essentially, the appearance of intelligence is trapped behind bodies that are very physically and neurologically different than most people. Society has taught those motor differences mean thinking differences, but they don't. And it is society's job to make sure that all people who appear intellectually different, how to fully communicate their deep thoughts instead of
3: assuming they don't exist.
2: Yeah. Bam. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we know we've known for a long time, certainly that our, our, Quote, unquote, our measures of sort of quote unquote intelligence mm-hmm. um you know have been well, I mean certainly you go back you go back historically um uh, and they they've been quite systemically you know discriminating in a lot of ways, you know I mean they they're, they were they were in some ways I think they were almost created you know, so that certain folks could come out, you know, looking smarter than other folks. You know, even though, you know, even though there was there there was no sort of you know actual difference. Um, and so I think you know, and I think a lot of those measures are still used today um, to sort of you know determine you know whether folks can you know have knowledge in there and and or or, or competence or or you know abilities in there and and really. You know, and I don't know, and I, 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 I will happily, you know, you know, uh, be corrected and, and take any feedback if there are sort of, you know, assessment tools out there that can, you know, accurately determine, you know, how someone who's unable to, you know, physically, you know, communicate, answer questions, write you know basically all these these motor difficulties that you talk about and and I've heard this from a few different folks now sort of kind of the, the motor issues I've had Terra Vance on recently you know we had a lot of conversation about kind of the, the motor apraxia and some of those areas and talked to a few other folks kind of about that stuff and and it's it's all new to me I I you know I'm, I'm certainly not you know, that's not my area of expertise, by any means, which also I think is a problem, you know, that, that my own training doesn't cover, you know, a lot of these important pieces, right? Right, yeah, so, um, and that the research doesn't even really look at that stuff, you know, I think is is sort of the other big piece. So, yeah, it's tricky. And I think, you know, it's not hard to presume competence. It doesn't mean anything definitive. It doesn't mean that it's possible that someone, that there are folks out there that, you know, may not be able to do some of these things and may not ever be able to do some of these things and and may have such severe you know, damage to their brains that, you know, they are unable to, you know, learn things and so on and so forth. Those folks may exist and probably do exist. But the point is, is there's no way to know that. There's no way to know if Billy or Joey there's no way I know which guy had the brain injury unless of course, you know, that, you know, that Billy, you know, fell off the building or get hit by the car, you know, but if they, you know, you know, if, if, if there, you know, if there's a brain scan that obviously shows, you know, no activity in Billy's brain and lots of activity in Bobby's brain, but even that doesn't happen a lot. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I mean we could, I could go down to so many, we could go down so many rabbit holes here. I mean, I mean, access to brain scans is a privileged sort of thing. Right. You know, so, um, and privilege really kind of plays a big role i think in this whole conversation yeah everything yeah um um and uh you know and i've had some really really and i've had some really good conversations on privilege with a lot of different folks on sort of just you know basic access to a lot of things is it's just so different i mean the, the conversation with you know with tiffany hammond really kind of Kind of hammered down a lot of that stuff, and we we dive a bit into the sort of ABA controversies and stuff. So, um, and actually, if, if you wouldn't mind briefly, I'm not we're not going to go on into into like three hours of ABA talk here. But there was one thing that you had said to me that we had kind of talked about sort of in our pre-chat, a, a, you know, a month or so back. Um, and it, it might be a, a nice segue because we're kind of talking a little bit about kind of privilege and and how that plays. Uh, well, actually, before I do that, just going going back to finish the point, we should always just, if you don't know absolutely 100% for sure, and it's a pretty good chance you don't know, you got to go in with that presumption of competence. That's got to be, you know, the, the, the key piece. You got to assume that they can learn it and do your darndest to try to teach it to them. And if you, if you, if you can't, you can't, if you do your best and you, and, and and that's not enough, you know, then you refer out, you get more help, you collaborate, you bring more folks in, you still can't get it well then, you know, try a different context and keep going, but you you never give up. I think, you know, I think our, our education system, you know, and, and sort of every system around it is so messed up because we essentially decide that, you know, once kids turn 18, they stop learning stuff. Um, um, and because we've taught them everything they need to know, you know, um, and particularly in sort of the disability sort of sector, because we 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 stick these kids in schools, you know, we don't actually teach them a whole lot, um, and then they become adults and we just stop teaching them altogether. Um, yeah, it's not always the case. I know there's behavior analysts out there and other folks that are doing good work teaching adults, but that's not the norm. That's not that common mostly because there's no funding for it. Um, and, and there's just, you know, there, there, there's no one to pay these professionals. But, the, you know, and so you've just got to, so next time you get a, if someone out there gets a client and he's 67 years old and, you know, and, and you know, and he's, you know, he's got all these difficulties, you know, he's he's not toilet trained. He's, you know, he's, um, you know, we talked about that in the toilet training episode, you know, and uh, and, and all these different things that are kind of, present that give you sort of this assumption that well he's 67 and he still doesn't learn anything well he's not gonna learn anything now that's that's a load of bs uh you know if he's healthy and he can live another 25 years that's 25 years of, great, of good learning that you can do in good teaching so always presume that ability uh really want to yeah i want to want to say that um and and, and uh but kind of going back going into the privilege thing and just sort of thinking about um Um, You know, a lot of this kind of ABA conversation, Um, and and Tiffany uh, and you know Hammond really touched on this, and I think it'd be great just to have another perspective. Um, You had said to me that you know when we're talking about ABA, you know, kind of the 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 topic of ABA being abusive or not being abusive, um, you had said that it's 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 really a debate of privilege. Um, and uh, and I'm wondering if you could just elaborate on that what what that means, because I think that's a really, really important conversation because I agree. I, I really do think for the most part, from my perspective, the conversations, both pro, both for and against, you know, and certainly there's probably folks out there that I don't know, but you know, have for the most part, been white folk. Um, having these conversations, and I think that's an interesting point to think about, an, inter- an interesting thought. And so, why is this a de- why is it, why do you think this is a debate of privilege? What's what's your, what's going on there? And I'm not interrupting. I'll just keep typing. Same question, but also, I'm just thinking that you know, really, I think a lot of these things. These issues in our in, in, in these problems we're having in in disability services, um, you know whether this is good or this is good are all sort of privilege infused, you know. So it's not you know ABA abuse is just one thing that fills that blank. I think.
3: The third secret word is gratitude. ABA is a privilege to have or not have based on location as rural communities
1: or certain countries don't have access to it or any therapies. There are people getting no help at all. Also, many children get ABA and, due to that, get even more services like many hours of speech or occupational therapy through their ABA centers. Mm-hmm. So, people cannot continuously tell parents to avoid ABA in one breath while staying occupational and speech therapies are best when many are only getting those because they have ABA. It's a privilege to tell mm. someone how to get care for their kids when sometimes ABA is the only way parents can work because daycare access is many times denied to autistic children. Some people have court orders and can't choose.
3: Having any choices are really privileges when it comes down to it. Bam! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh,
2: that's that's. Thank you. Yeah, I, I just. Yeah. Yeah,
3: it's it's such a.
0: such a such a dumb conversation <laughs> sometimes i gotta say, you know uh
2: you know yeah we're we're're we're, we're, we're you know I think of again I think of other we call her Tiffany two's um sort of analogy of the leaf and the roots, you know and, and she she wrote she, this this is what kind of this is how i I, I kind of ended up asking her to be on the podcast was tiffany wrote a an essay on kind of the on on this topic and really kind of touched on everything you just said um and she but she she used the 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 sort of metaphor analogy of a tree um and the idea that the phrase that aba is just a leaf on that tree um it's the roots of the tree that are are really important and the roots of the tree are all these isms we've been talking about you know so everything from the oralism racism sexism classism um ageism you know i think i think, I think if you actually google isms there's a good 12 or 15 sort of well known ones and those are all you know that foundation of uh, of uh, you know that's basically what everything we we have everything we have in place is built on the on on those systems um and that's where the work needs to be done you know that. that's where you know if we call ourselves you know behavior analysts and our and our job in the world and our sort of you know professed expertise is to you know you know affect human behavior for positive social change well then hey <laughs> there's a whole bunch of systems that need us working you know, and stop focusing on our little sort of you know our little compartments. So yeah, I think that's huge. I don't want to end on the note of you know uh, 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 the ABA abuse conversation. I I, I think you, you've brought a lot of really uh, cool cool points here. Uh, you know, particularly around the competence presumption. I think that's huge, and, and something you know, and and something we should kind of finish off with. I'm wondering, sort of, you know, if there's any kind of, you know, sort of other other message that you kind of wouldn't mind putting out to the audience, sort of related to this, um, you, know, um, uh, you know, some, you know, so a good key
3: takeaway. AAC helps speech. Communication
1: and literacy should be the main priorities and access to rigorous academic curriculum for all is a right in which most non-speaking disabled people are denied. Communication access should start in early intervention programs and not cease until a person is fluently communicating even if
3: it takes until they are 80 years old.
0: 100%. Love that. Love that. Before I wrap
2: up, I just want to send a message out to the listeners because we're at the end of the episode here, and I won't—I won't be surprised if some of you have fast-forwarded through those pauses, uh, you know, so you could get back to the conversation. And I get it, you know, it, it, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's uh, not much going on um, in those pauses. But if you get to watch the video, there's actually a lot going on. I offer continuing education credits for my podcast and um, the way folks get those credits is they have to, I embed three secret words within the conversation and so, and 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 they have to listen to the whole thing to get the secret words. If you're watching the video, if it makes it onto YouTube, and I don't know if it will, I haven't been very good at that yet, but uh, if it makes it onto YouTube, um, you're not going to hear the secret words. You're not going to see them because they're not in the video. I embed them after the fact. You're going to have to listen to one of the audio tracks to to get the secret words. But what I'm going to do differently this time is I'm going to embed the secret words in the pauses. So uh, a, probably right near the middle of the pauses, or maybe not. <laughs> um, you'll see. Uh, and so essentially, you're going to have to listen through that pause. To get that secret word, if you want to get that continuing education credit, because I think it's really important that folks, you know, experience the full, you know, interaction and what that looks like. Um, again, we're modeling, and, uh, and 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 this is what, you know, those conversations need to be. And, and 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 so when you walk into that group home or you walk into that family home, and there's an individual using a device. You know, and they're taking some time to get their message across. You're not sitting there talking to the other staff. You're not sitting there looking at your phone or looking at your watch. You're not going for a walk to get a coffee because, you know, it takes them a while to type. Um, or, you know, there's something in the kitchen. You're sitting there. You're listening. You're engaging. You're nodding. You're, well, you're not nodding. I mean, because they're not actually saying anything in the, in the pause. But you're, you know, you're you're, you're keeping eye contact. It's hard. It, 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 maybe maybe some mindfulness practice is needed because you you're really going to stay present during during that time so that i hope i, I hope folks uh, don't just say well screw it i don't want ceus for this episode but uh I, and instead actually listen through those pauses um and uh you know I, in fact what i recommend is if i do get the video up is 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 play the audio on your on your phone and watch the video on mute and you'll get to really feel you know what 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 what's happening in those pauses and sort of and, and sort of enjoy the full breadth of what a you know a real conversation is like with a with a real human being so yeah uh so so with that tiffany this has been so uh and and enlightening and insightful and just just uh a really cool conversation. I'm I'm really humbled that you were willing to kind of put yourself out there and, uh, you know, and have a conversation in this way with someone you've never met before, um, you know, that you have no reason to trust and no reason to sort of, you know, uh, assume that it's going to go well. Um, so, uh, you know, I appreciate you, you know, having the, having the, having the courage and kind of vulnerability to come out and do that with me. And uh, yeah, well, I hope we can have you back one day.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Cheers.